As you see, there's us perched over uh, there was the last day that you could actually get out in a car at all. Um, we were over, uh, overlooking the old city covered in snow. And of course, that was the first day of a week saw snow compared to the blizzard that we had in the ensuing days. We were stuck in Jerusalem, missed our flight, had to reschedule because the snow was just so huge. Uh, what's the next slide? So um, you guys might have seen it on the news, but we had uh, the largest snowfall in over 100 years. Cairo, Egypt. Cairo, you know, you want to go back to Egypt? They had the first snow, and it stuck. The first snow in 112 years. My friends, we are experiencing global warming at an unprecedented scale. <laughs> Al Gore eats your heart out. I mean, really, seriously. Uh, uh, that's, uh, this snow drifts on our balcony were over, you know, they, they said the snow in Jerusalem was over, over two feet, like two and a half feet of snow in Jerusalem. It's a desert, right? Literally, it was snowing in the Negev desert. So, I mean, if that's one of those once-in-a-lifetime things. You see snow in the desert. It snowed on Mount Sinai. So, let's just say it's, things are changing. We, I, I really observed the last year, the weather is changing. You know how the scripture says he'll, he'll make, a, make the desert a fruitful field and the fruitful field a desert? I think we're going to be seeing that in our time. Not just, I think a lot of people refer to that and how... Israel has been so amazing at creating these greenhouses in the middle of the desert, surrounded by nothing, and all of a sudden it just pops out the most fruitful land in the middle of the desert. Well, that's part of it, but I think he's physically going to turn the desert into not just a greenhouse, but into a fruitful field. I I think the climate of Israel is changing massively. Um, And so that's evidence. You see the... The stuck cars, it's just a sea of cars stuck on the side of the road. I mean, it was insane. The amount of snow that dumped, it caught everyone by surprise. No one, you know, the forecast uh, a slight chance of accumulation in the morning. Three feet. <laughs> so no one was really quite prepared for that. They thought it was going to be a little bit, and it dumped an immense amount of snow, which is great for, for the land, but also was a big stretch. But Israel handled it, like, amazingly, despite not having the snow plows and snow blowers and all the equipment that is really needed to handle this sort of thing. The army kicked in awesome. They came in with their APC, you know, armored personnel carriers and plowed snow with those things. They, they used not just all the civilian uh, bulldozers and stuff, but they brought in all the military vehicles to rescue people. There's over 2,000 people that were trapped on the side of the road with no gas and their car stuck, you know, a sea of people. So it was a logistical nightmare. Uh, thank God that didn't happen in America. That would be <laughs> really bad. Um, but, but they handled it very well and uh, uh, very, very minimal loss of life. But it was a very destructive storm. So when you're praying for Israel, they have a lot of things to change because I think this is not the first and this is not the last snowstorm they're going to have like this. I think... And it's so early in December, we never have weather like this. So it's quite interesting. A lot of people are kind of looking at this saying, huh, wonder what's going on. But I think that we're going to see a whole climate change in Jerusalem, in Israel, in the whole region. Um, so that was really cool to experience. I made a, a really cool snowman with little Z. That was fun. Um, but uh, so 
let's uh, talk about the school. Um, what God's been doing in the school has been really amazing. Um, I, I'm going to talk about this a little more later. God loves to put you in the worst, worst conditions. You know, everyone knows the story of Gideon, how he, that's, uh, ah, you know, there's like, you're already outnumbered 10 to 1, and then he's like, oh, you know, those are too good odds for me. Well, let's take half those people. Oh, let's take another half. Let's, let's make it a fraction against the enemy, you know. Uh, it's like, that's the way God likes to operate, because then none of us can take credit. I can't say that, man, I'm an organizational expert. I'm a... Master of communications. I'm not, you know. I don't think I'm the best person for the job. Uh, none of us are, but God is bringing in. Uh, he, he likes to bring us into situations that are way bigger than we can handle. Um, so us getting pregnant, all of a sudden, our two instructors went down to one. <laughs> um, but and it, God always has things working in the background, setting things up. We were able to have uh, the guy on the far side right next to me with the blonde hair, Ville, He's uh, one of our pastor's sons, incredibly talented artist, incredibly talented uh, videographer and director. He had a really strong business going on in Finland, doing lots of music videos for Sony BMG Records and, and commercial production and stuff, and really had a, a strong growing company in Finland. But just really all of a sudden felt a real urge to start a new life, fold his company, sold his company, started a new company that was more dedicated towards, um, he wanted to create documentaries to share stories about what God's doing uh, in, in, in Israel and in the Middle East, and, and uh, really had a heart for our school. All of a sudden, God just threw our school on his heart. And so he came out and is now one of our instructors at the school. Incredibly talented. I mean, God's bringing the best for this school. And I'm just, I mean, he brought Sarah, you know. And I'm kind of the, the runt of the litter. Uh, and then he brought Sarah out, which is amazing. And then he brought Ville out. And so God's supplying. Every crisis is just an opportunity for him to come through and supply. So we've had a really great uh, class. That's actually not all of our students. We even had some more students join us, kind of latecomers. And uh, I know some of you guys have been keeping up with our updates. One exciting thing I just heard this morning, and thank you for your prayers, We've been having a lot of struggle with our students from Bethlehem. We have students that are from the West Bank that uh, come learn at our school. You know, our, our goal is to reach all of Israel, not just the Israel proper side, but even the Arabs and the Jews and the internationals. And so that's a huge part. I would say that we've experienced this last year in, in our school that, uh, what I like to call, I don't know if you guys heard of it, Arab Spring. We've had our own Arab Spring. <laughs> And we had a really a large influx of quality, talented, and very passionate for the Lord Arab believers join our school, which is amazing. And we're uh, really excited about the harvest that God's going to uh, bring forth through these students. And so one of our students that we've been praying for that's been impossible to get permissions to come over, she was incredibly talented. I remember the thing that I'm excited about is not just that these students are growing professionally, but their spiritual growth is what gets, that's what I wake up in the morning for. And this girl, she was really born and raised in a very strict uh, Orthodox uh, background. Which is basically, yeah, I'm a Christian, okay? But that's kind of it, you know, uh, background, but very religious. 
And I remember the first time we have prayer together and we worship together and pray together and intercede for one another. And we were sitting in the room and I want to get them involved. I don't want to just be me and Sarah and the staff praying. I want them to pray. I want them to learn how to pray for each other, learn how to pray and be intercessors. Um, And so we're sitting there and I'm like, hey, Amira, why don't you you pray uh, for this? And she's like, uh, uh. Can someone else do it, please? And I was like, yeah, sure, okay, you know, no pressure. And so then she just kind of took off and went into the hall. And I was like, oh, no, hope I didn't offend her. Because she's very conservative background. She doesn't, women are not, in the Arab culture, women are not supposed to stand up and speak. Women are not supposed to pray in front of other men. Uh, And in the Orthodox background, very much, your prayers were very, you know, kind of liturgical and stuff like that. So... Then she comes back into the room, kind of wiping some tears away, and she's like, I'm ready to pray now. And we moved on to something else, and all of a sudden she starts praying in Arabic, like really strong, and I'm like, wow. And she's like, thank you. <laughs> wow, and God's been, and, and it's awesome, because at these conferences, a lot of these, uh, these guys, they born and raised in Bethlehem, you kind of get this thing fed to you every day about how Israel's the bad guy, and how they're just conquerors coming to take your land, and blah, blah, blah. And so... You know, as she's attending the, uh, as a lot of our Arab students are attending things like uh, Tom Hess has a prayer and intercession conference, and and so as they're attending this conference, they're they're hearing all these things that are brand new for them, never heard before about God's purpose for Israel, about um, about how Israel came into be as a country and stuff like. All these speakers are speaking about Israel-related topics, and they're kind of like, "What? I've never heard this before," and it's awesome because. One of our other staff members, he's an Arab believer, and, um, and he's able to explain everything to them in Arabic and, and roll it out for them. And he's, he's an Israel supporter as well. And, and so it's really cool to see the change inside of our students. You know? and, and we talked about how uh, we know in the Word it says how God is, uh, brought salvation to the Gentiles that would provoke Israel to jealousy. And we're seeing how the gospel is making from Asia is coming through Iran, massive revivals in Iran, massive revivals all through the Middle Eastern countries. And we're seeing it happen in the West Bank. West Bank has really been a very, and still is, extremely closed uh, people group. The Palestinians is not, there's no major revival happening right now in the Palestinian areas and amongst the Palestinian people. It's just nothing. It's a hard soil. But I believe that it's like, even with our students, I believe that God is bringing a support team to start growing that and to bring a great revival that's going to happen in the Middle East. And he's, he, he, he needs to prepare the ground first. He doesn't just want to throw a revival to a church that's not ready to handle it. So it's exciting to see how that build is happening, and that's going to, of course, lead to salvation to Israel as the gospel comes all the way, a full circle, back to Jerusalem again. And so uh, I have a cool little promo to show you guys about what King School is. Some of you guys know about our ministry and what we do. Uh, our instructor, Ville, put this uh, promo together, and it's fantastic. So this will show you a little bit about what we're about. It's a silent film. It's really awesome. Trust me, it's great. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, is the computer muted, guys? We're looking for experience. Not only do you get to learn theory, uh, but... There we go. Gosh, why did I do that? One of the reasons why I decided to come to this school was because everything is hands-on. At KSM, I've had the opportunity to uh, produce my own music videos. When I get hired for professional jobs, they're not looking for a piece of paper. They're looking for experience. Not only do you get to learn theory, uh, but you also gain experience by actually doing different productions and projects. We learn from scripting to visual effects to all aspects of the field. So we're actually utilizing professional gear well above uh, the the kind of gear that any other school in this country is using. The F5. Black Magic Camera. The Red Epics. I have to say that the media school was one of the best times in my life. The Word of God says that the Word shall go forth from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Just so Students come here, receive their vision, and they bring the light out from Jerusalem to the nations. Everything is focused around this place and this land. When you go outside, you have Jerusalem as your, your playground for shooting. In our school, you'll get hands-on training like nowhere else. We're not just working on student projects, we're broadcasting live TV, working on music videos, and hired on crew with local productions here in Israel. Our students don't just get a piece of paper when they graduate, but walk away with their resume and showreel full of professional work. Our instructors come from a diverse background, working for ABC, Fox, VH1, Feature Films, Sony Records, Channel 2 Israel, CBN News, and Acquire the Fire events. We didn't give up our aspirations and goals as filmmakers to come to teach. We bring every bit of dedication, creativity, and experience into the projects we do with our students. But it's not just film and television we're passionate about. Our heart is to make disciples who are ready to face the challenges of faith in the industry today. Discipleship is at the core of all that we do. Our goal is to raise up the next generation of filmmakers who will passionately pursue God. We're praying together every day digging deep into God's Word and growing our roots deep in Him. Seated in the center of Jerusalem, Israel, we're surrounded by rich culture from all over the world. You're creating films in the place where the greatest story ever took place. Walking in Yeshua's steps inspires us to find modern-day parables and impact the world with the light of the Gospel. That's a little bit about what we do. What I'm really excited about is this right here, uh, the next video, um, created by one of my students. Uh, no, go ahead and let it play. I'll talk to, over it. Some of you guys have heard about the four spiritual laws Campus Crusade does. So basically, uh, our third semester, their job is to create a video track. Basically, we want them to learn how to effectively do outreach to their own people. 
And so I encourage them, hey, if they're Jewish, boom, do it in Hebrew. If they're, Arabic, if they're from Arabic background, do it in Arabic. Because we want to be a light that they can understand to this nation, to this region. يعني بمعنى آخر الإنسان مش كامل وبالآتي منفصل عن الله وما بقدر إنه يختبر محبة الله المباشرة لحياته وبالآتي بقدر شعرف هدف الله المباشر كمان لحياته وأنا كإنسان اليوم حاولت أني أوصل لله فجربت بأعمالي المنيحة وأفكاري الصالحة وسلوكي مثالي لكن في يوم الأيام سألت حالي سؤال هل يترى أنا كإنسان محدود بأفكار محدودة وأعمالي المحدودة أنه أوصل لإله غير محدود بس في حل إذا أنا منفصل عن محبة الله المباشرة لحياتي بتقولي شو هو الحل في شخص انولد ولادة عجيبة مش برغبة إنسان ولا برغبة رجل لكنه انولد برغبة الله شخصيا وانولد بقوة روح الله هذا الشخص قبل ما يجي عشنا قبله وبعد ما أجا عشنا اليوم بسببه وسمي التاريخ من قبله قبل المسيح وعشنا بعده واليوم اسم التاريخ بعد الميلاد أو بعد المسيح وسيد المسيح أجع هاي المدينة بالذات نجل إنه يموت ويضحي بنفسه من أجلي ومن أجلك نجل خطاياي وأخطائي نجل خطاياك وأخطائك وهو حكى عن حاله هيك so I can play the whole thing but basically you guys kind of get the vision of what we're trying to do here is to really raise up a voice that will be able to preach the gospel to this entire region to the Jew to the Arab uh, one of my students, as I was uh, as I was playing this video, I was like, "Hey, could you translate for me?" So I, I brought him in, and he was like tearing up, like it was breaking. He was like, "This is so powerful," you know, as he was translating the Arabic into English for me because at the time he didn't have the subtitles there. But it's it's just amazing to see what God is doing. It's amazing to see. Uh, this is what I live for right there. That's why we're in Jerusalem is to see these sort of materials created. To see that we can use media to break through all the barriers of culture, to break through the, uh, you know, the society that would keep the gospel down. And we see media break through every one of those barriers. And reach, uh, and also literacy. Literacy is extremely low in the Arab world. They do not read Arabic, but at a very minimal level, if that. And so this is going to, I'm just so excited to see what's going to happen through this. And, uh, and Campus Crusade is going to pick this up and start using that as well. And it's, it's exciting to see because here's the thing. Make one video, cool. But we train up a person to make those videos. It just goes out exponentially better than what I could do through one film is what God can do through people raised up who will live there their entire life. And my student Joe, he's an Egyptian, uh, but has lived in Israel his whole life. His parents are missionaries there, amazing people. 
And so it's really exciting to see these things get produced. So let's go to the next slide. Another thing that was really amazing is um, we have a good connection with, um, as we're talking about the Arab Spring here of sorts, <laughs> this is the good parts of the Arab Spring. Um, so we have a really great connection with a church in Bethlehem, uh, Bethlehem Baptist Church. They are pretty much the only church in the West Bank that we know of that is uh, vocal supporters of Israel. You can imagine that's probably not making them very popular, and it doesn't make their job easy. In fact, I mean, the sort of persecution these guys get, they get death threats, they've had fatwas uh, pronounced against them in their church, Um, they've had all sorts of, they've had bombings, they've had people shot outside the church. Um, Me and Sarah went to go visit because some of our students, they were stuck, weren't able to come across, oh yeah, I never told you. Awesome thing, the Lord just gave us a big breakthrough with one of our students from Bethlehem that couldn't get a visa. And Amira, she finally got her visa, and it's a, like a permanent visa almost. Every six months, she gets it renewed automatically. And so it's an amazing breakthrough. You don't get these things. And in fact, it's actually been quite tough for a lot of the believers um, from the West Bank and, uh, to get permissions and, and in general. Uh, it seems things are kind of clamped down because of all the conflicts. Um, but it's an amazing breakthrough to have her visa come through. Uh, but a cool thing is we, we work really well with this church. This church is very outreach-oriented. You know, when you're focused on the Word of God and, and, and you're not ashamed of every part of the Word of God, including for these guys, not ashamed to say that God has a purpose for Israel, which is like <clears throat> to, to say in the West Bank, um, when you're focused on that, you're going to be effective in evangelism. Because when you embrace the whole word of God, God can truly use you. And God is using this church in a mighty way. And so they do every Christmas, they have a, uh, a billboard campaign that they do. And so uh, I was able to, to help them design this billboard and put it together. And so we need to be praying for this. Uh, in fact, let's pray real quick for this church, for this outreach. Because you have tons of pilgrims coming from all over the world to visit Bethlehem during Christmas. You know, it's uh, for all of those reasons. And and many of them, many tourists who come that as on Christian tours do not have a relationship with God at all. A lot of these people are totally lost. Okay? And, and so the, the billboard in Arabic is really strong, uh, talking about do you know the true meaning of Christmas and your life's destiny starts when you give your heart to the Lord Jesus. And so, uh, and then there's a follow-up website that you see below. And they've had some great... Uh, Um, success through this, but huge opposition. It's a miracle this billboard's up. I designed it for them, said, okay, hope hope you guys can get it, because the Catholic Church came hard against it, the Orthodox Church came hard against it, and the Muslims. So they are, you get the Catholics to team up with the Muslims when it comes to, you know, preventing the gospel from coming forth. That is messed up. Um, It's a weird alliance. But, um, but the thing is, there, you, you know, that really shows that God's stamp is here, you know. And we're so excited to partner with them. And let's just pray real quick for that ministry. And Lord, we just pray for our brothers uh, and sisters at Bethlehem Baptist Church. We just pray that you would strengthen them this Christmas. As this season comes in, that there would be a mighty harvest through this campaign, Lord. There would be a mighty harvest of people that are, that are wondering, what is the true meaning of this holiday? Why are people celebrating? What is it about? 
and what is this great gift that was given to, to man? And Lord, I just ask that you would provoke curiosity in the hearts of the Muslims, in the hearts of the, the nominal Christians, the Orthodox and the, and the Catholics, Lord. And I just ask that we ask together as a church that you would breathe life into this campaign, that you would breathe life into this church and support them that support Israel, Lord, that you would support them who are unashamed of the word of God. And we just pray your blessing over that church and the leaders there. In Yeshua's name, amen. And so um, a lot of you guys asked about what's the, what's the, what, what's it like in Israel right now? What's the, what's going on? And I'm not an expert, but I am very well versed in news. <laughs> and I'm always uh, keeping my ear to the ground. And I would say, you know, it's amazing how God has really shielded this country in the midst of all of the craziness surrounding it. In every country surrounding, there's wars, rumors of wars, conflicts of every kind. Um, and, it's, and it's awesome because, you know, God works all things out for, for the good of those who love him and are called to, according to his purpose. And, and God has been really working a mighty work in, in Israel, protecting Israel constantly. Um, he will never sleep nor slumber, and his eyes are looking all around to, to watch out for us. And so it's been awesome. We've been, we've been there through recently the whole conflict in Syria has been, you know, it was pretty alarming, mostly because we were afraid the Americans were going to attack <laughs> and screw things up more. Because um, it's kind of like, here's, here's the hard part. Uh, you hear in the news a lot about, Oh, Assad, he used chemical weapons against his own people. What a brutal dictator. In each of these countries, even Saddam Hussein, we're not so excited about him. He was not a nice guy. But there was a protection over the believers. It's almost like there's, in a way, and um, you know, some people compare Obama to a man of lawlessness because he's basically brought lawlessness everywhere he's tried to enforce policy. And it's like when you bring a freedom to these places, and you know, <laughs> uh, a lot of my uh, students, my Arab students, are like, they they say the same thing. It's not it's not a racist statement or a harsh statement judging, but they say the only way to rule the people in the Middle East is with a strong hand. Without it, the other people that have a strong hand, the Muslim Brotherhood, these guys. They'll come in with their strong hand to rule. There's no nice guy democracy in, except for in Jerusalem. Uh, there is no nice guy. Um, no nice guy rules, and, and, the, and when you have that anarchy, it just spreads like crazy. What we're seeing right now, and the thing that we need to be praying for as the body of Messiah, is for the believers that are in Syria, um, because they're being murdered, they're being tortured, they're being in the worst ways, persecuted by the Muslim Brotherhood, by mostly Al-Qaeda, and uh, the, the people that, it, it makes me crazy when I see what is going on, what my country supports sometimes, is we're, sup we're literally arming Al-Qaeda. And it's like, are you kidding me, John McCain? You're sitting, like, doing a selfie with an Al-Qaeda member? wanting to give him more weapons, you're nuts. These guys, uh, even, they even say, even the moderates, when they talk about the moderates in Syria, 
they are not at all moderates. They're all about Sharia law and all about, you know, destruction of Israel, everything like that, that these guys banner behind. And so it's been, it's been amazing, though, how um, God did, uh, I think, diffuse that conflict. I'm glad because the thing that we were fearing, and we had to, as a family, go out and buy gas masks at its, the, the height of the tension between uh, the U.S. and Syria and all this stuff, is that if they drop one attack against Syria, Syria will unleash chemical warheads against all of Israel as kind of a, you know, last little attack. Um, so it's like, it's amazing, um, it's amazing that that got totally quelled, and it's been relatively very peaceful, um, and, uh, but we've kind of seen little, little skirmishes here and there where uh, there's been suicide, not really, like kidnappings and stuff. There was a soldier who was kidnapped from his work and, and killed, murdered. Um, there's been lots of uh, little attacks on Moshavs and stuff like that in the West Bank. Um, but for the most part, it's been really, you know, guys, we're really blessed because we don't have all the gang activity that you guys have. I'd say the senseless violence in, uh, in America is, one, way more hard to avoid, <laughs> and two, way more rampant than anything in, in Israel. So I know it might sound scary, chemical warheads and all that stuff, but, you know, the good thing about you, your guys like Assad is he has a little bit of self-preservation, where the other guys don't. So it's kind of like, in a way, our, you know, hope is that, you know, those guys who are in power kind of stick there because it really benefits Israel. I mean, with, um, with Egypt, you know, we had a lot of really good relationship between Egypt. But what was amazing is we, we did a whole... Uh, um, documentary about the Etrian uh, massacre that's going on in the Sinai, when uh, especially when when Mubarak was kicked out of power from Egypt, there was a whole power vacuum in the Sinai, completely, and it bred lots of human trafficking, even organ harvesting. We're talking about from live, healthy people killed, harvested for their organs. Horribly demonic evil, evil thing. All carried out by Hamas, and all the money would go towards arming Hamas with more weapons and stuff like that. So they'd harvest a living human being, sell the organs, and to buy M16s and stuff like that. Horribly evil. That's Hamas. That's the peace part. <laughs> it's a, kind of a joke, but hilariously not a joke. It's horrible. Um, these uh, it's amazing to see how through all that and through the army take, taking back over in Egypt, the army started fighting these guys. In our prayer, when that whole uh, Tears of Atria documentary that we did, our prayer was that God raise awareness and, Lord, would you defend the defenseless? And these people were being plucked out of refugee camps and, and uh, tortured and all sorts of horrible things. And so our prayer was God to be the defender of the defenseless. And all of a sudden, the Egyptian army you know, takes back over power again after Morsi and goes through the Sinai and starts knocking these guys out. And so a lot of these Hamas strongholds that were torture camps and organ, organ harvesting, places of horrible, horrible, horrible things, um, are being broken up and squashed. So, you know, we, we, you learn to praise God in situations that seem, wow, that's kind of crazy. 
Uh, but if you look through the Bible, it's not a, our history as mankind has not been a pretty one at any point in time. But we see God's redemption in horrible situations. And so we praise God for that. So I guess that would be a good political update. But then one extra thing I wanted to share is just being a father uh, has opened up so many things to me. So many lessons, so many awesome uh, illustrations. And one of the biggest ones I ever had, I, I always struggle, how could I share this? What would be a proper place to share this in? Because <laughs> it is kind of an awkward subject, is uh, circumcision. So our kid, we had circumcised on the eighth day and everything. We had a moil and everything. And wow, it was uh, intense. <laughs> Grandpa can... Uh, can attest to the intensity. <laughs> um, you know, guys, we, we read stuff in the Word, and many times this Torah can be a liturgy to us. It can be liturgical, where we read through it, okay, we did our service to God. That's not our service. Our service is when we live out the Torah, when we live out the Word of God. I know, you know, here in America, it's kind of like a lot of people, well, they'll have their kids circumcised at the hospital right after birth. I had no clue about my own until later, uh, you know, investigation. So um, it's an embarrassing subject. But it, God is not about dealing with the surface issues in our life. He wants to touch us in the place that we're the most vulnerable. He wants to go straight to the area that we're most vulnerable in, and he wants to deal with that. Sometimes we're trying to shield him off from that. Sometimes we want the American microwave belief system where we just stick it in, get our hallelujah. We want God to heal us now, uh, not later. We want everything, God to be our holy ATM and give it to us now. And everything instant. And God is not about that. He's about the journey. And as a father, I've really gotten another revelation. I, marriage brought me to a revelation of, wow, okay, this whole relationship that we have with Christ. And, and you know, look at over here in Genesis 17. Um, so God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. And I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. King, kings of people shall be from her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah also, as 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And then he goes on to Sarah, kind of overhears and is like, We're going to have a pleasure by my Lord in my old age. You know, it's like, that's hilarious. Have you seen the guy? He just got cut. And he's been limping around that tent for a few days. You know, I mean, hey, my son's getting his uh, snip, and I'm thinking, oh, wow. So I Google, research, research, and man, I'm telling you, Abraham had it hard. He did not have Google. He didn't have a nice PowerPoint that he could go through, and, you know, this is the procedure, okay? And he didn't have those nifty moil clamps that they have that, that you know, cut all the, uh, cut, uh, pun intended, uh, uh, cut all the difficulty out of it, you know what I mean? Like, uh, take the, he had a flint stone. Not a scalpel, a flint stone. Ow. 
I mean, hopefully he had some uh, strong drink <coughs> to help calm the, the pain, but I mean, that's faith, guys, right? Hello? For you moms out there? Uh, how would you like your husband to experiment on a new uh, surgery technique that he got all of a sudden downloaded from God? Okay, it's one thing he does it to himself. And that's why she's laughing. She's like, look at him. Come on. He's like, oh, okay, well, walking around the place. God puts us in the most difficult situation so that his glory comes out. So, you know, Abraham can't be like, oh, I'm gather, gather, I'm just the man, you know. Uh, he had everything against him. Everything. He had his track record. He didn't have a kid when he was healthy and young and spry. They didn't have a kid. That was his track record. That's our past. Your past might say, you know, you're not able to do this. Your past might be saying that, you know, hey, you know, uh, maybe your parents spoke something over you. You'll never amount to anything, and you're just like your father. You're just like your mother. And maybe those are really hurtful words. You have a track record of failure, maybe. Well, Abraham technically had a track record of failure in having kids. His name was father of many nations, and it was a joke almost. I mean, imagine the ridicule you would, you would get. And in Israel, the Jewish culture, children are everything. Sarah's talking about how before, when we were just a single, when we were just a couple, you know, a married couple, not having a kid, you don't really get much respect. You have a kid. All of a sudden, these Hasidic guys will come up and blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's so amazing. You know, it's like there is something. They see it as God has blessed you or God has cursed you. It's a big deal. Not like here. Not, not in this culture. I mean, it is a huge deal there. And so, God stacked the odds against him. And he also, it's not just, so one, he wants to, he want, he wants to use your past. He wants to use your failure. He wants to use your insufficiencies so that his glory would come through and not your own. But then second of all, he wants to touch you and put that mark in the most vulnerable place in your life. For me as a father, after all the Google research, and I mean our moil that we got, he's the best in Jerusalem. I mean, this guy's done thousands and thousands of circumcisions. Countless. Uh, he can't remember how many. <laughs> And yet, at the same time, this guy, who's extremely trained, uh, extremely well-versed, this is like, chop, done for him, I am freaking out as a dad. And here, here's the thing. God did not command Abraham, circumcise your son as soon as he comes out of the womb, because everyone's already bloody, and everyone's kind of already, and it'll just be done, and it'll just be easy. He said, wait. Wait till the eighth day. The same way. A cool correlation I saw is the Passover lamb was commanded to live in the home with the family. The, the kids got to know, the kids got to play with this cute little lamb and your heart grows endeared to it. It wasn't just pick up the Passover lamb over at the shop, go straight to the temple and cut it. Okay? This was a pet. This was something you loved. And for me, I loved my son as soon as he came out of the womb. As soon as I looked into his eyes, I loved the kid. The eighth day, though, I had gotten to laugh with him. I get 
you know, his personality, and right before the moil shows up, he's staring me right in the eyes. <laughs> I mean, looking up at me like, Daddy, I love you. What are you doing? <laughs> Why is all these people at our house? And just staring straight dead into my eyes, and I'm like, ah, I love you, son. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, snap. And so... We were just like, uh, and then uh, the uh, operation happened. And in, in Jerusalem, they do things a little different than over here. They, they believe it's a blood covenant, so there has to be blood. So around here, in the Los Angeles area that we live in, it's a lot more conservative on how much they cut. And I remember as he was doing it, I was like, you know, fl- inside flipping out, like, that's too much. That's too, oh, my gosh, you know. And this is a trained guy that's had thousands of experience before us. But, you know, God never was easy on Abraham. You know, his, he went from faith to faith. A lot of you guys are asking God, okay, God, I'm dealing with this trial. Why don't you let up on me? This other person has it easy. He loves you. You know, you've had trials. Battled cancer. God's love is not just saying, oh, I'm just going to free you of every problem. His love is saying, I'll be with you through every trial. And it will get deeper so that you and me go deeper. In the Marines, you're going to face some trials, and you're going to be right with you. There's no bond like the bond you have in conflict. It's deeper because there's more that was lost. There's more that was at stake. The... Uh, the, the the consequences were higher, you know? And so with this, it's one thing for Abraham to get cut and then for him to cut his own son. This is, and, and to cut him, it's not just a cut anywhere. God could have said, pierce your ear. God could have said, chop the ear lobe off. That would have been a little easier for me. That probably would have been a lot easier for Abraham because he said, you're going to be the father of many nations, meaning that Isaac is also going to have some kids and that's the object that you have kids through. Okay, so um, this is real. We're getting real. Sorry, this is uh, here. He's he's like you know he's like chopping you know uh, something that he needs to make those grandkids. So again, he's asking us to sacrifice our ability to do it on our own, to trust him that despite. The rational logic is not to do this. Rational logic of a parent doesn't say, hey, let's do this. It's trusting God saying, okay, it'll it'll come through. Now, many things in the Word of God, we see uh, all sorts of regulations he gave the children of Israel that later as science proved and as as history proved, those regulations that he gave them, like the washing of hands, like the dietary laws, what they ate, what they didn't eat, saved them through plagues and horrible things. Okay, those things set them apart, and it was actually for their good. Uh, you know, we, we know that now scientifically, circumcision is a huge health benefit, and in fact, there's tons of people getting that operation done just for the uh, health benefits in Africa to, to block AIDS. So, I mean, hey, this is great. Later, we know that there's huge benefit, but at the time, if you're a parent, you don't know those things. Abraham had no clue. He didn't have Google, remember. There was no PowerPoint for him, the... Talk him through the thing. It's all by faith. Many times God's calling us to things in our lives. It's by faith. And the journey is faith. He, he, doesn't need to, he didn't need to explain all the health benefits to Abraham. He just said, trust me. 
You either trust that he is and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently follow him, who diligently look after his commands, or you don't and you lean on your own understanding instead of God's, and I think it goes bad for you. Um, my track record in my life is every single stupid decision that I've made to follow God has turned out really well. But at the time, it always seemed like a dumb, dumb thing. Quitting my job in Texas to move to Israel with no calling, no ministry to go with, no solid calling, just kind of going, it made no rational sense. My pastor almost tried to talk me out, out of it, and they said, well, if God's calling you to go, then just go. <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, I just uh, wanted to share that with you. Um, and in the end, it's amazing. Like, my son's healthy. Everything went just fine. And, and it's awesome. But it's just embrace these times when you don't know. And so many of these regulations we read in the Torah, even today, we're still kind of like, oh, I don't really know why he said this. Okay, but he said it. Okay, even with our knowledge that we're at today, we still have those questions of why. In the same way, in your life, there's going to be many questions of why is God doing this this way? Um, you know, with the storm, we, we lost our flight, which meant that our cheap ticket then went away, and our travel insurance was being weird and not covering our stuff, and and, and then, you know, it went from a comfortable flight to kind of a regular flight that was way more expensive. And so, you know, we're, oh, God, what's your purpose? And, you know, sometimes it's just things happen. The rain falls on the righteous and unrighteous alike. And we've got to trust him through those times. And that's not really a big struggle. I mean, big struggles is like, you know, having a loved one die, and uh, you know, that doesn't know the Lord, or, you know, having cancer, having different struggles that, each of you is facing with family and with your own self personally. But I guess the main points to take is, first of all, God's calling you to step out in places where you're most insecure. He's calling you to be the, he said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. When Abraham cut himself, that was weak. That was not helping his uh, fertility, Okay in any way, form, or fashion. And the logic of, of the day was like, that was the stupidest thing you could do, Father, of many nations. God's calling you to stupid things. Okay, but make sure you hear his voice. That's, that's a key point. I don't want you guys to just do stupid stuff. Make sure you hear his voice. But he's calling you to have your strength where you thought you were weak, where people said, you are this. You can't do this. You're horrible at this. Maybe that's what exactly what God's calling you to do. And... Blind trust, just trusting completely. And trust Him with those things that hurt the most, with the most sensitive points in your life. And I just think it's amazing as we look into the Torah, as we, and not just look at it, because you look at it, you can hear my talk, it's all cool. But when you're a father and you have had that happen, it's an experiential thing. God doesn't want us just to observe. He doesn't want us just to with a Greek mindset to know the Word of God. He wants us to live, to walk with him every step. And that means you're going to have to practice it. And so let's ask God, show us what it is that you want us to do.
Lord, we just come before you right now and we just say, number one, we are weak. And we know what's been spoken over us. We know our track record. We know our failures. And Lord, we're just asking, Father, would you come and speak your words into our life? Those impossible things. Those things that we never thought we could ever do. Lord, would you speak your word of life into into our hearts? Would you speak the destiny, the calling? And Lord, it might just be just talking to one person uh, this week. Maybe it's just being bold and sharing something vulnerable to ourselves. Father, would you open up our hearts to do that, Lord? To, to make ourselves bare before you and, and that you could use us, Lord. Father, we ask that you would put dreams and visions in our hearts, that we would believe you through all the naysayers, through all of the things that are stacked against us, Lord. And we would recognize when the, when the odds are against us, when the world is against us, you are for us, and then it's easy. Father, would, would faith arise when persecution arise? Would faith arise when the odds arise against us, God? I just ask that you would strengthen our hearts, Lord, to trust you through the impossibility. And Father, I also just ask that you would you would just bring encouragement to those who have been battling through hard times, Lord. That they would see the purpose past this. That they would grow further in intimacy into that sensitive area of their life that they're so wounded in. That their wounds would turn into your strength in them, Lord. And Lord, I just ask that you would just, you would make your word come alive to us. That we would walk out the precepts and the teachings that are in your Torah, Lord, that are in the Word of God. Father, not just knowing it, but, but living it. Lord, we just pray this in Yeshua's name, Lord. You would be glorified in our life. You would be glorified in everything that we do, Lord. Amen.